Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to talk about using henchmen and followers in your game? I love giving people orders. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And tonight's topic comes to us from Blake Ryan Batman on Twitter, who asked us to talk about allies slash henchmen slash followers, short-term versus long-term, interesting and helpful, but not dominating the game, I'm assuming is where that's going. Clearly, this is a Twitter <laughs> yeah. request based on the, <laughs> the brevity of right. words used. <laughs> because that's because characters. So, Phil, talk to me. Define for me an ally slash henchman slash follower. Yeah, all right. So, cool. These are NPCs that work for one or more of the characters. Uh, so, they're a little different. They're not like the NPC that just kind of tags along or that the GM kind of provides you know, for color for the story. These are NPCs who actually are in some way in the employ of one of the PCs. Now, often they're specialized to a task or role. So like you might have, you might have a henchman who's like a scribe or uh, like a fighter who's, you know, in your employ to help out like a man of arms or something like that. They're always weaker than the PC. I've never seen a game where your henchman is actually stronger than you. Like that would well, be actually, that's not a henchman anymore. That's like a GM NPC. Yeah, that's a whole problem. Misdirected Mark yeah. talks about GM, GMPCs and about <laughs> how they can work and how they can go terribly wrong. But anyway, um, so they're weaker than PCs. And then they're doing this. They're doing this for one of several reasons. Either they're being paid. So that's henchmen. Either they're doing it um, out of some sort of obligation. So that's like allies and followers. Like for the sake of the rest of our discussion tonight, um, we're just going to use the word henchmen to umbrella all three of these concepts. But I'm going to take a moment and actually uh, break out each one. So allies, allies are going to be things like uh, your animal companion, right? You're a wizard's familiar, the droid that's following along with your, with your hero. They're with you, um, and they're often with you because of some sort of class. Like, you know, in the case of a droid, droid is probably more like equipment, but like an animal companion, like if you're a ranger, like that's a class benefit. And Wizards Familiar is the result of casting a spell. So they're allies and they're with you because they want to be with you. Now, henchmen, henchmen are the ones you pay. So this could be um, hirelings that you care that you hire to carry gear in a dungeon so if you are playing with encumbrance, if you're doing like some really good OSR style game where encumbrance is a, a, a big deal, having a few henchmen to actually carry extra stuff can make the difference about what you can and can get what you can and can't get out of a dungeon. Uh, it could also be like the crew of a ship. So like in a sci-fi campaign, having a crew that takes care of the ship, that could be something you pay for. Okay. And then finally, followers are people who are attracted to the heroes they're serving them out of some sort of loyalty. Now, in D20, followers were the result, I believe, of the leadership feat. Like, you, you could take that feat and then, like, you could attract followers. But this can also be something like in Apocalypse World, uh, you can have a gang. So your gang can, like, is part of your playbook and the gang then has some traits to them. Which I think is also true in the hood. In the hood, you also have followers as well. Now... 
I don't know about you. I have not played a lot of games that have used henchmen. Like they've been an option in games, but like we never, like I never used them when I was playing like first ed D and D. But they've been around in one form or another. And if you actually look through a lot of different games, you can see different examples. So in in first edition D and D, that is like the classic version of henchmen. And in fact, there were rules for kind of getting your henchmen to do stuff because. Uh, if you abuse them or ask them to do like really ridiculous things like, you know, play trap detector, you know, they would just bug out and leave. Like they just <laughs> drop their stuff and take off. That gets carried forward a little more elegantly in Dungeon World. So Dungeon World has has options for hiring henchmen. But Vampire the Masquerade had rules for creating ghouls, which were essentially henchmen. They were blood-bound humans. So you like fed a human vampire blood, but you didn't embrace them so you didn't drain their blood and fill them back up you just spiked their you know their blood supply with a little vampire blood and then you could get them to do stuff for you now a lot of times when we think about henchmen and followers and allies we think of them kind of in that fantasy genre context but in truth it works across all different genres so like in sci-fi like r2d2 and c3po they're allies they're definitely weaker although i'll argue that r2 is actually way cooler Actually, I have a whole theory that R2 is actually the whole reason that the Empire fell. Like, if you look very carefully, R2-D2, like, orchestrates pretty much everything through all the movies. I'm fascinated. Well, we I mean, should save it for the outtakes. I will. Remind me at the end. I'll tell you how R2-D2 basically masterminds the fall of the Empire. Okay. The crew of a ship, like we said before, is also a sci-fi type of henchman. Uh, if we're doing a modern police procedural, like let's say we're playing detectives in a you know in a crime-filled city, then things like uh, beat cops can be allies and henchmen. They're you know the beat cop is always like you know in those kind of genres one step down from the detective, and so you know you could you could get beat cops to go search around and look for clues for you. Um, or if you're playing a modern police procedural and you're playing the bad guys, then it's your gang. Like the rest of your gang can be your henchmen or allies. Uh, in superheroes, we have the sidekick. So Batman, Batman has an ally. It's Robin. And Batman uses Robin to attract gunfire so that he can go around and, you know, beat up bad guys. So he basically endangers, you know, young boys' lives by dressing <laughs> them in ridiculous colored clothes while he wears all black and um, throws them out as bait. That's just a Batman thing. It's, it's totally fine because he's a hero and it's, it's not child endangerment in the least. It's totally legit. Okay. <laughs> now, what do they do? Like, what's the purpose of having allies, henchmen, and followers? can really fall to one of two things. So the henchman could perform a specific task, like an engineer on a, on a starship. And it might not be a task you actually have skill points in, but you need it to have, like, you need to have that skill present. So your henchman can kind of fill in that role. Like they will, they're really good at engineering, but they suck at basically everything else. But that's what you pay them for. So that increases your depth of skill, right? It adds a skill that you don't have into the greater repertoire of, of the players. They're also able to act independently from the character. So in this case, like, let's look at the ranger's animal companion. The animal companion, the wolf, because, like, I don't know, other people take other animal companions, but wolf is no. the superior ranger yeah. animal companion. No, they don't. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. okay. 
Right. Wolf. <laughs> we're, all right. So we're in agreement. Wolf is the superior ranger animal companion. Yes. I mean, best if it could be dire wolf, but regular wolf is but, okay yeah. as well. So what the wolf does is the wolf acts independently from the character. And what that what that does is it actually adds to the player's resource economy. So what that means is if the ranger has if the ranger has two attacks because they're wielding, you know, dual scimitars because ranger, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, because you, you know, you have to have your two weapons and yep. you have the wolf who can bite. Now mm-hmm. you have three attacks as opposed to just your two. Mm-hmm. So it actually increases the resource economy of of the party. And uh, that's also important, especially in a game like D&D, where every attack is important. But it also actually does one other thing, specifically in D20. And I saw this once in a Iron Heroes game. Somebody had a, a companion monkey. It was like a chimp or something. And I was like, that seems kind of ridiculous. Except that that damn thing would get in, like would get into flank and oh. would basically give the character flank at Always. like all times. So yes. we just called it the flank monkey. Flank monkey. I could use right. one of those as a rogue. Oh things. my god, it was it was ridiculous. And it was the monkey was like fast enough to avoid getting hit. But it yeah. was always like in it was always on the opposite side of the, you know, of the character. So it's like, oh, in flank, you know, bonus dice, bonus dice. And just like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was really uh it was really good. So Senda, that's what henchmen do for us, right? They 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 perform tasks and they act they add to the action economy. What are like what are our opportunities and challenges? Like, I mean, why not just, you know, like are they cool? Should we use them? You know, what or, you know, what's the challenges when we do? So let me start with opportunities, because this is why we would even consider this topic at all. Right. Is like, what can they do effectively? And one of them you were just talking about, which is that you can basically give the party depth and breadth of skills to do more things than they necessarily could on their own. So if you know, for example, and not that I'm talking about any specific particular game that many of our listeners might also listen to because it's very, very good. If, say, for example, you've got a crew of three with a five-year-old Force-sensitive and your droid, your astromech droid that does all of your navigation has been out of commission for the entire two-year run of your podcast you have to work around the fact that no one has the navigational skill. <laughs> so in in circumstances like that, that's where using a henchman or something like that, you can, you know, hopefully get something in there. Not that I'm implying that Lynn is a henchman. Okay, I take it all back. But you get the idea. Um, so when it's, when it's not a skill set that your particular group of PCs need to expand into, that's a way that you can basically solve that as a problem. It's one of the workarounds you could use as a GM to solve that problem, right? And as you were saying, also, of course, more actions, which in some games makes a really big difference because it means you just have more turns, which means that you are, it gives you better ability and better advantage against the bad dudes. Yeah. Yeah. They're also, uh, they're a way for the GM to actually get involved and role play with the group, kind of as part of the group. And um, it can be an interesting way to give the group information or that kind of thing because you kind of have a voice that's part of the party. But I do think that you have to be careful with that because you don't want to play like bad GM NPC land. And I was trying to find the episode of Misdirected Mark that that was, but I can't find it. So start at one. <laughs> no, start at what? 150? 
Yeah. When's Bob? <laughs> Start at 150 and just work your way forward and you will find it. <laughs> and then this speaks to um, what I was also saying earlier in terms of role playing in and with the group. They can be used to actually bring in new plot points. So sometimes that's because they actually have a story that comes with them. So, you know, the guard that you hired has a, a, a missing kid sister or whatever. So you can you can bring in plot points like that or they can tell you information um, or tell your players information, etc. Some of the challenges that come with these kinds of NPCs, they're usually frail and they can be wounded and killed because they're playing in battles and fights and stuff at the level of your PCs, but they are not at the level of your PCs. Um, so if one of them gets wounded or killed, that changes the depth and action economy again. So it can flip back again quickly if you lose one in something like combat. Players sometimes take advantage of them because they're disposable or they get considered to be disposable. So if your players decide they don't like them, that's when they turn into like, why don't you go first down this hallway? I'm sure there's no traps. Just walk down it. That's... Many, many and many townsfolk I have marched <laughs> to their death during my youth. You I'm terrible. Not of, I'm not, par- I'm not terrible, proud of this. Terrible man. Terrible. So when they get treated as disposable by players, that can be an interesting issue. They can steal spotlight time um, if too much of the story shifts to them. So that's back to the, some of the, the inherent dangers of the GM NPC. Um, don't don't traipse too close to that edge where you're, you know, doing this for your own edification instead of the fun of all the people at the table. It's episode, episode 210, oh, the okay. GMPC. Not yeah. as terrible as you think. I know, but you talked about ways to do it right. There are ways to do it right. There are ways to do it wrong. Yeah, there are. If you want to hear how to do it right, you should listen to the campaign <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Anyway, carrying on. So this brings us back to Blake's original question of how to make henchmen interesting and helpful without them dominating the game. And since Blake asked so nicely, we're going to take a look at this in our favorite way. Senda, you're going to talk about how to use henchmen in your one shots, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about their use in campaigns. Yes, indeed. So in one shots... Henchmen should be intentional. So that is, they should be in the game because they actually serve a purpose for the game because you don't have a lot of time because you're running a one-shot. So they need to add to your story in a really immediate way. Like not in a, oh, it's cool that there we have this like purple-haired guard lady with us. Like I wonder if she has anything to do with anything and then she's part of the cliffhanger at the very, very end or whatever. Like, no, no, no. They need to be there for a reason. Otherwise, you're actually wasting your very precious time. (laughs) So sometimes, if you're not me, you might be making pre-gen characters. And so when you make pre-gens and someone has a henchman associated with them and you've already created that that character, you should know what the purpose of that henchman is when you create that that pre-gen, right? And the character that goes, the henchman that goes with them. Um, So know that. Don't try to figure it out later. (laughs) And then also part of that purpose then from a mechanical perspective is, are they there to increase depth of skills in terms of what the party has the ability to do? Or are they there to increase the, the, um, the action or resource economy or they're there to do both? And know that going in too, because that's going to affect how you create them and you know how you stat them. So 
there's a secondary part to this, which is even though they need to have a clear purpose for being in the one shot, um, they can't be the key to solving the entire adventure. So you have to keep the agency to fix the problem and actually complete everything and wrap it all up with a neat bow. That has to be the players. It can't be your GM NPC, right? Um, So it's fine if you're, spoilers, if you still haven't seen Buffy, not naming any names here. So if you're playing Buffy and you have to protect Dawn because she is the key, that's fine. It's not cool if they are the only one who has the one spell who can defeat the big bad. That should always be a player character who has that big special ability that can get something out of there or all of them together or whatever it is. But it should never be your henchman who's going to save the day for everyone. So some good ways to use a henchman in a one-shot. Of course, they provide additional firepower. They provide additional actions. Wolf Companion is for sure going to help bolster group's combat abilities. Listen to Crit Juice if you ever doubt that. This is going to work the best if the Animal Companion is scaled to the power level of the adventure. So, I mean, in D&D, you're, you know, you level up, your Animal Companion levels up with you. Um, but if you end up in something else or a different system, then of course, you know, move the character with the people. Otherwise, eventually they just get killed, right? Yeah. Or the henchman may have support skills that the party does not. So solving for missing niches when you're playing a game with a basic uh, party composition assumption. So this is very much where I would get back into like D&D. We assume that you have, you know, a minimum of four players and you have some kind of tank and you have a rogue and you have a wizard and you have a healer, right? Like gets back to that. So it also gets back to we've and we've talked about this before in terms of having someone to take care of things when people don't want to play it like that. So it's one way to manage having a healer in the party without necessarily having to have someone play it. So this is how you can have your cleric on a rope. <laughs> Yay, cleric on a rope. So some other things about them, if you make them somehow quirky, Give them some good and distinct personality trait. You just need one so that you set them apart from all the rest of the NPCs. That's the thing that will distinguish them and make them feel real to your players. So it's kind of the same as any NPCs, but since that is a henchman or a follower of your party, they're going to be interacting with them a lot. So it's really key that you pick something that you can play all the time that they will pick up on all the time. And... It can also bring a little bit of needed comic relief if you're running a really serious game because henchmen can do that kind of thing. Now, my games tend towards the comic to begin with, so it's more like a comical thing, and then we have moments of like really intense seriousness that are usually catch people a little bit by surprise. But if you need comic relief in your game, henchmen are one way to do it. In your super silly games, uh-huh. cannot the henchman be the straight the straight person? They totally can. I they, um they can run contrast to the players? Absolutely. Yes. That's that's a very good point. I have definitely actually done that. <laughs> so then other key things with henchmen. You want to make the challenge of the game one where they can assist or make it easier, but it's not they are not essential to completing the actual challenge. So that's back to, you can protect Dawn. She is the key and she's like a henchman, but she's not actually the key to solving the problem. She just happens to be the key. 
right? They shouldn't be stronger than the party because they shouldn't be stealing the spotlight from the party. You shouldn't have your uh, your theoretical henchmen swooping in, you know, on wings and glittery, shiny armor and being like, don't worry, I will take care of this smoosh when the party's getting killed by something. Can I yes. tell you a story of where I did this electronically? So there's... um. <laughs> There's this game from the 90s called um, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Uh-huh. And uh, it's a fantastic uh, PC game where you pilot X-Wings and stuff like that. I think actually the game, I think the game I'm actually talking about was X-Wing, not X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. So it was X-Wing, um, which is fantastic um, uh, game in itself. And you had wingmen. Like when you went out on a mission, like you picked these wingmen and you took them with you. Well, we learned that the wingmen were these um, text files that were basically saved characters and they had like, they were of different skill levels in the game. So we went and copied like our own character who was like, like, you know, 20th level kind of thing. (laughs) And we replaced all the henchmen with that file. And we just renamed, you know, like we copied the file a bunch of times and renamed it. Uh Well, we took it out on a mission and the wingman, you couldn't, you couldn't shoot anything yourself because the wingman took out everything in front of you. Yes. You're just like flying around by yourself and you're like, oh, I'm going to go get that TIE fighter. And it's like, 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 nope. Nope. One of the wingmen like swings by, blows it up. And it's like, <laughs> damn it. Like actually ruined the game. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I can see. Well, I mean, it would for the same reason. Don't do that. <laughs> A lesson well learned. So the other interesting thing about henchmen, right, is they're not PCs, so they're not going to grow and change during the game. They're just going to be whatever they are, especially like in a one shot, like they are not going to change. They're not going to have a character arc. And it's entirely possible that they won't survive. The game is temporary. So honestly, that character might be very temporary as well. And Heck, because it's temporary and that character is temporary, you can do fun things with that, like make them part of difficult moral decisions and stuff in terrible, cruel ways to your players. Like we could make the warp gate, but the engineer is going to have to climb into the reactor to realign the power cells. Uh huh. How you much do it. we how much do we love the how much do we love the engineer? How good is your party really? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so having discussed some of the ways to use henchmen in one shots, um, what are your favorite ways to use them cam- in campaigns? And I mean, I think a lot of this is the same. What do you what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of uh, overlap and we'll we'll talk about that. But again, because we're talking about campaigns and we have a lot more time, uh, we don't actually have to be as directed about our henchmen because we don't have a pressing need to have them be important in every game. So we actually can just let the players have their henchmen and they'll fit into the game from time to time or when it's appropriate and do what they do. So some of the same things about henchmen apply from what Senda talked about in one shots. That's all. A lot of that's still true. I like make your henchmen quirky. I think it adds um, it adds a little uh, flavor to the game and do actually from time to time design challenges where having the henchmen will actually help. You just don't have to do it every game. Yeah. Okay. But now since we have time, both chronologically and in terms of story, we actually can do some other things with the henchmen that we wouldn't do in a one shot. Uh, so first of all, we can have scenes where the henchmen are recruited and join the group instead of just being like, you know, well, you have a crew that's with you. 
we can actually look at how, you know, the crew eventually joins the ship. We can have interactions with the rest of the party between the henchmen and the party. So perhaps the henchman doesn't like the rogue or vice versa. And I'm very likable. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about other rogues, not you. You're delightful. <laughs> um, I'm talking about the other kind of rogues, not the happy go not the happy go lucky, but the more take your money stabby stabby kind of rogues. You can have that like so now you can have that banter that goes back and forth, right? Like maybe the henchman helps out like the fighter, but like always like never holds the door for the rogue or something, right? Like you can have these like little like these little things that keep coming up. You actually can, and, and you actually said, Senda said not to do this in one shots, but you actually can give them their own story arc in, in terms of a campaign. So perhaps a henchman is actually working through a problem of their own and winds up needing the hero's help. So, you know, maybe your henchman gets word that their mom is sick and needs a rare herb that's found in a lair. And now you're going on a quest because, you know, Jonesy, your henchman, you know, we're going to go save Jonesy's mom because, you know, we like Jonesy. He's cool. Like, we'll do it. And that can actually lead to a whole adventure. So another thing you can do is you can actually now look at the growth and promotion of henchmen during a campaign. And so, again, not in a one shot, but in a campaign, we actually can have the henchmen uh, grow in skill. Now, they still need to be powered less than the players, but they actually can start to acquire new skills or new talents. And some games have this built in. So, like, sometimes in certain flavors of D&D, like, the Paladin's Warhorse gains abilities after so many levels. I don't, I honestly just don't remember from version to version, but it does happen where sometimes allies, you know, increase in, in, in either level or in abilities, etc., when this happens, don't skip an opportunity to actually narrate this in the game. Like, don't do the thing where it's like, well, you know, the warhorse leveled up, so he's got this power. And, you know, like everybody's just like, oh, yeah, of course he does. Like, take a moment to actually have that come up in game and like play that out. Like all of a sudden the warhorse is like, you know, I don't know, like their hooves turn to like radiant light and stamp out some skeleton or something like that's a cool moment. Like have that moment in the game hells yeah don't let it just pop into existence don't just be like at the next adventure well the warhorse has radiant hooves it's cool whatever <laughs> and then keep going uh the other thing you can do is you can actually promote a henchman so over the time of the game maybe the henchman reaches a power level where they're no longer actually henchman status they could become members of the party when uh, new players join or a character dies. Like we, you know, somebody joins the game and be like, Oh, this would be a great time for Jonesy to actually stop being the man at arms and actually become a full on fighter. Like Jonesy's been with us for a couple of years. Jonesy's good enough to now level, you know, level up. The other thing you can do is you can actually have your henchmen leave and become villains. So especially your mistreated henchmen depart and now decide to plot revenge against your your terrible ways. Uh, so these are great ways to take a love like a loved character and kind of promote them up in the game. And so I, I encourage you to 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 take a look at that in a long running campaign. And when we talk about henchmen no longer being henchmen, we must have reached the end of the show. 
So Senda, where do people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community. And you can drop us a line, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once people find us in one of those spots, what can they do? You can send us topics just like Blake Ryan Batman did tonight. We are uh, 100% crowdsourced for topics. We almost, I would say, I think pretty much never provide our own topics. Uh, So we rely on the kindness of you listeners to give us things to prattle on about. Uh, And we love it. So please send us your topics. We put them in a giant list. And uh, I basically just kind of go through them and pull out whatever catches my eye on a given week. Now, besides topics, which we always um, can use, what is another thing that people can do with our social media that we always love to see? Well, you can send us your table selfies. So what that means is the next time you are sitting down to play a fantastic game with those awesome peeps, snap a selfie of you and those awesome people and the game that you are playing and post it on the social media of your choice and hashtag it table selfie so that we get to see it because then we'll troll through and like those because that's what we do. We do indeed. Mm-hmm. And talking about liking things, if you mm-hmm. like what we do here at Pandas Talk Games or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, we do have a Patreon campaign where you can support our hijinks. You can go to patreon.com slash MMP. Uh, patrons get access to all sorts of goodies, including uh, the bonus outtakes from this show, which is how mm-hmm. we lured our, our newest patron in. Um, Poor guy. Yeah, Uh, you can get um, the after show, the 20 to 30 minutes at the end of the Misdirected Mark show where um, Chris, Bob and I just talk about stuff. Uh, You can get access to other good things like song parodies when uh, when we have the time to do them. There's some D&D stuff that the D&D guys put together. It's and you get access to the Slack Room for Life, which is the most awesome of all the benefits of being a patron. And now it's time for some patron shout outs. And now the pressure is on. (laughs) Craig Strasser thank you so much (laughs) thanks bro Sean P. Kelly thanks for your support yes that's Sean P. Kelly yes I said P Sean P. Kelly I was just emphasizing not the other Sean Kelly Kelly, who is also a patron of the show right what the hell Sean Kelly P or no P (laughs) thank you thank you both (laughs) why differentiate (laughs) And Matthew Petrozelli. 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 We think that's how it is. And if we're wrong, we, by all means, please just tweet us. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll fix it on the next show. Thank you, Matt. And if you are already back in the Patreon or unable to back the Patreon, which is totally fine, what is another thing you can do that's basically like hugging a panda? Well, you can leave us a rating or review on iTunes because every single one that you leave us makes me super giddy like you've sent me hugs. And it also has the added bonus side effect of helping us move up the ranks a little bit in the uh, gaming other hobbies section of iTunes. Because when iTunes knows that people like it, then they tend to recommend it more, which helps other people actually find the show, which is great. So leave us a rating or review on iTunes and we super appreciate them all. And I go totally crazy in caps lock on Twitter. Generally, whenever that happens. Normally during business hours while I'm working. (laughs) Because that's usually when I remember to check. (laughs) So, Phil, show me how you're going to come up with an arc for your favorite henchman. Yeah, I think
This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. I've got waveforms. Clicky, clicky, clicky. Bloop. What is happening? <laughs> this is all just. This is. This is all. Delete. 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 <laughs> delete. 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 Bloop. <laughs> I'm just gonna Help. have a sip of tea here. Help. <clears throat> we got to square something up from the modifier recording, which isn't oh, going to make any sense no. to anyone now. <laughs> but since nonlinear podcasting time takes place, I'm going to set the. I'm going to. I'm going to pop splain something right here that didn't happen on modifier. <laughs> yeah, you you withheld your pop splaining. You put your peanut. You put your chocolate in my peanut butter. You got your peanut butter on my chocolate is the Reese's peanut butter cup commercial from the 1980s. It's it, it was a series of commercials where two people would be doing something. For instance, one of the ones is there's a guy walking down the street and he's got a candy bar and there's a woman walking down the street and she's carrying an open jar of peanut butter. For Why she's carrying an open jar of peanut butter <laughs> down the street, I do not understand, but just go with the premise. Right. And then like they come around a corner. An open jar of peanut butter. Right. They come around a corner, they bump into each other, and he gets his chocolate stuck in her peanut butter. <laughs> and then they look at each other awkwardly uh-huh. because, Ooh. you know, he's stuck his chocolate in her peanut butter. And in then. Peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he pulls it out. And then, like, he's like, you got peanut butter on my chocolate. And she's like, you got chocolate on my peanut butter. And then, like, he tastes it. And he's like, mmm, it's good. And then they go to Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And I have to tell you, until this moment, <laughs> I never, never realized, realized how dirty that commercial was. <laughs> until I started to explain it to you. And now, and now I now feel like a bit of my childhood. For life. <laughs> Some innocence of my childhood has been worn away. Slipped away. <laughs> Never to be retrieved. Uh-huh. All right, folks. Um, sometime in June, you'll hear the Modifier podcast. And this pop-splaining bit is the bit that goes with it. But, and it will um, make way more sense. Yeah. But in the meantime, um, I'm just going to sit here and... Um, <laughs> I'm going to sit here and try to understand what it means when you, so you <laughs> sticks the chocolate and the peanut butter and then tastes it like <laughs> okay i'm just gonna leave that alone for now hi i'm senda have you met me sometimes i talk in caps hi i'm phil and i'm the reason senda sometimes speaks slowly Bloop. yeah we have some anyway. other we've we've other important business we have to get to <laughs> yes we do listen we have a new Good. patron yes we do we have a new patron and we're doing a shout out tonight and we can't screw up the name Wait, so aren't we going to just screw it up and then say it a bunch of times at the end until we get it right and then no, I'm no, cut we got to nail this thing. We can't we our our ending percentages are <laughs> atrocious. Like our ability to end the show is like a disaster. I know, I listened to the last one again. I do want to say I said bleh, and then I had picked it right back up and I was going right back in and then you screwed it up. <laughs> well, I saw an opening for I saw an opening to be funny. Yeah, you were you were a pandering panda. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yes, only when it's funny. 
Klaatu, Verada, Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-Nick-
you're like, I could have cut all that out, but no, no, no. We have to talk because like, you know, apparently the temperature has changed inside the show and did you need I'm, to get the panda hoodie off? I muted my mic and everything. You were supposed to keep going. Oh, I'm see, just, I didn't see the part I, where you muted your mic. I just heard you say the F word in my ear. You did? How? Well, see, then maybe you weren't so <laughs> muted. I was totally muted. Please tell me I'm recording through the right thing. Yeti, oh. yeti. Apparently Hangouts is not getting my audio from the same place. Well, that just was a little wonky. <laughs> anyway, amusing, nevertheless. Okay. You I just, was being so careful to not pick that up so that you would just keep going. <laughs> yes. Although I will say that is about the most ungraceful I've ever seen anyone take off a sweatshirt before. <laughs> I got caught on my glasses. It didn't feel very good. No, it was very ungraceful. It was like, ah, ah, I was trying to hurry. <laughs> nearly spastic in its, uh, in its removal. <laughs> <laughs> It actually was, it was actually quite distracting. I was trying to talk and I don't even remember what I'm saying. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? Is she wrestling? Is there a mimic in the room? Like, were you attacked by something? And Phil, once people find us in one of those spots, what, what can, what can they do? See our percentage for closing the show. Shut up. I awful. fixed it. <laughs> Shut up, I fixed it. And then you, you just made a big deal out of it. You didn't fix it by going, but, but, that's not fixing it. That's that's called editing. You're going to edit it later. I know, I'm going to edit. But I did the thing to make it easy to edit. Now you're making it hard to edit because now we've gone off down this like loophole. You don't think I know how to pause for a second and then and then start my line again? Here, hang on. Okay, start your line. So when people reach out to us on the internet, show me what you got. I love how you like sort of kind of start show to say a thing what you and then got. you don't. Bloop. Didn't have a sometimes thing. you have something witty right there. I'm never sure. And what sometimes I don't have anything witty. <laughs> See, I don't believe it. I feel like you're just always witty, so I'm Aww. always in shock. When I'm you're, so like, witty, not witty and pretty. Bloop. We're doing I good. I feel waveform. Oh, so waveform. I feel waveform and panda and uh, one syllable word. <laughs> I mean, my yeah. basement stays cooler in this. This is not entertaining. <laughs> this is a this is a cry for us to push the stop button. We're talking right. about the temperatures of our house. Good relative, God, it's boring. The relative temperatures of our basement. Just boring. In which case, when we talk about inane things like the temperatures of our basements, it must be time to stop the show. Stop Say goodbye. recording. Bye. Bye.